Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information about our ministries, head to calvarystgeorges.org. You may be seated. And a very warm welcome to Calvary Church tonight, part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's, this most holy and uh, special night where we celebrate the birth of our Lord. In my humble opinion, uh, one of the most iconic Christmas albums of all time is the 1981 smash hit entitled Christmas Album by hands down the greatest German disco group of all time, Bonnie M. Uh, This album has all of your favorite hits on it, like Jingle Bells and White Christmas, set to a funky reggae Italo disco beat. However, the song that really put the album on the charts especially in England and the United States, um, was their cover of Harry Belafonte's Mary's Boy Child. Now, as a spiritual discipline, that is all I will be listening to for the next 12 days, because I do love that song deeply. It goes something like this. A long time ago in Bethlehem, so the Holy Bible say, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on Christmas Day. Now, I want you to chorus goes, Hark, now hear the angels sing. A king was born today, and man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. And man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day. That is a bold, bold claim. Yet it lies at the very heart of Christmas, and it lies at the very heart of our Christian faith. The truth of this claim revolves around three points. It revolves around history, it revolves around mystery, and finally, it revolves around your destiny. If only that word was destiny, the sermon would have been perfect, but um, um, Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ, was born on a real day, in a real place. Our gospel reading is not a myth, nor is it a legend. Rather, what St. Luke wants to convey to you tonight is real history. Jesus was born in a real day, not in a bubble or in a vacuum, but when Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. The Bible invites scrutiny. The Bible invites you to check it out. In a real place, not in the land of make-believe or in a galaxy far, far away, but in Bethlehem of Judea, a small town 5,700 miles away from New York City, which I've been to twice. In Bethlehem, and indeed the whole area right now of the Holy Land, both Israeli and Palestinian need our prayers. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem tonight, and we pray for the Holy Land. But this is my first point. The bold claim that man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day, is not hallmark religious sentimentality. As Christians, we believe and confess that Mary's boy child, Jesus, truly entered into human history. This is why Luke really emphasizes, for unto you born this day. There's a huge misunderstanding about Christianity in America today, and in much of the West. A lot of people think they're Christians because it's kind of cultural, 
or, you know, it's helpful, it helped them out of a rut. And this is not the emphasis at all. When you read the scriptures, especially St. Luke, who church history attributes him to be a historian, when you read the Gospels, St. Luke is presenting this not first and foremost as some sort of kind of cultural context, or uh, he's not presenting this as helpful at all, good grief, a teenage mother born like giving birth in, in a manger? Like, this isn't helpful. Rather, he is presenting this as historical, prophetic fulfillment. This is a real and provable as the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Or me eating a calzone today for lunch. Because the diet starts next week. <laughs> so, but Christianity, Christianity is the only religion that hangs on its historicity. It's the only religion that hangs on its historicity. The Bible invites you to check it out. That the wonder of this all actually happened. And it is through this reliability of its historicity that Christianity then begins to present the mystery of it all. Now the word mystery is misleading because in the English it means something strange or not known that has not yet been explained. Mystery in English takes on more of a Scooby-Doo connotation. But mystery in the Greek, the word mysterion, has a different meaning. You know, we say that in our Eucharistic prayer A. Therefore we proclaim the mystery of faith. Who is God? Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. The word mysterion means something that was unknown in the past, but is now revealed to all people. So, for example, the mysterion of Jacob is I'm an Episcopal priest, I'm married to Melina, and I'm the father of Sophia and Henry. You can call me Tim all you like, but that's not the mystery. So, in other words, through history, God introduces himself to you. As St. John writes, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And St. Luke he tells us that the mystery of Christ is first revealed by an angel to shepherds. Now there's a whole sermon on that and a whole meaning behind that. But the angel says, he says, do not be afraid. And this is because when the word of God is preached, when it's preached to God's people, it casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So he says, do not be afraid. I'm bringing you not just any news, but good news of great joy. Why? Because you have all of this prophecy now being fulfilled in this very moment. And it's great joy, not just for certain people, but for all people, including you and me. To you, born this day in the city of David, that's Bethlehem. It's a real place. Now here comes the mystery, the revelation. It's revealed who Jesus is for you. And the revelation of Jesus is that he's your Savior, he's the Messiah, and that he's Lord. That's what the angel tells the shepherd. That's what he reveals. Jesus is first revealed as your Savior because he's come to forgive sin. I remember one service, somebody walked out and they were like, Reverend, I'm not a sinner. And I was like, well, congratulations. Keep up the good work. You know, I mean, if 
you've ever sinned against God, you need a Savior. And this is what Jesus has come to do. As the angel instructed Joseph, his earthly father, in the previous chapter in a dream, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. The very name of Jesus means God saves. The mystery of Jesus is also reveals, second, that he's the Messiah. Someone also once asked me if Christ was Jesus' last name. No, it's his title. And Christ in the Greek means the anointed one. And when that's translated into the Hebrew, it means Mashiach or Messiah. So the mystery of Jesus is that he is this long-awaited, predicted Messiah, going back to Genesis chapter 3, that was promised to Adam and Eve when they fell from the garden, that he would be their heir that would crush the serpent's head. And then that makes him, so the Jewish Messiah carries three roles. He's prophet, priest, and king. And so he is the long-anointed prophet whom Moses told the people of Israel to look forward to and to listen to everything he said as they wandered in the wilderness. And then he becomes this priest, an anointed priest, but of the order of Melchizedek, which is very interesting, who by his sacrifice, once and for all, brings validity to the Levitical priesthood and pointed to a sufficient and atoning sacrifice in himself for the whole world. And finally, as the Messiah, he's the anointed king, David's greater son, whom David called Lord. Which brings us to the third mystery, that Jesus is your Lord. The one whom the prophet Isaiah foresaw roughly 700 years earlier. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. So this is my second point, and it's a really bold claim, that man will live forevermore because of Christmas Day is true because in history, the mystery of Jesus made known to all is that he's not simply a nice guy, nor is he a wonderful life coach, nor is he a first century, simply a first century Jewish revolutionary. Rather, we shall live forevermore. This bold claim is true because Jesus is your Savior. Jesus is your Messiah. And Jesus is your Lord. There are lots of stories, you can read the Greeks, lots of stories of men becoming gods. But this true story reveals God becoming man. As the third century Syrian Christian hymn goes, He who fed his people manna in the wilderness, He who is beyond all comprehension, now comes through the virgin's womb and is laid in a manger and suckles from his mother's breast. This is an earthly religion because it wants to meet you right where you're at. Not where you hope you'd be, but right where you're at. And we worship him tonight because he comes to meet each and every one of us as well. He meets you in his word and around this altar in the bread that is his body. 
and the wine that is his blood. And because he has come to meet you, he has changed your eternal destiny. <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. He has changed your eternal destiny. The question now for us to ponder, though, this evening is how? How has he changed your eternal destiny? Notice there are two components in our text tonight, our gospel reading. Two components to the angel's message. And they're eternal components. The first is, is God's glory. And the second is God's peace. Every Christmas, I've been in this pulpit now for 18 years on Christmases. Every Christmas, it seems like we're on the brink or in the midst of some sort of catastrophe, either globally or personally. And the truth is, here's the truth, on our own terms, I wish it were not so. I wish it were not so, but we will continue to go from conflict to catastrophe. Because peace on earth can never be separated from the glory of God. The Bible teaches us that the glory of God is in the face of Christ Jesus. And as St. Paul reminds us in Ephesians, Jesus himself is our peace. St. Paul also states in one of the most critical passages in the New Testament, Romans chapter 5 verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Or in other words, this is how it ties into our gospel reading. In other words, peace on earth, beginning with us, is created in our lives when by faith you and I are united to God's glory, which is Mary's boy child, Jesus Christ. And as a result of Jesus' work of salvation for you, because the, man in the, main, the boy in the manger becomes the man on the cross, as a result of Jesus' work for salvation for you, which is God's glory, God then adopts us into his family. And from now on, all of his dealings with you are for your good. <clears throat> In Christ, God will never be against you. He is your father. And he is your friend. And when you realize that the sovereign Lord of the universe has deigned to know who you are more deeply than you know yourself and calls you his child and his friend and that his favor rests upon you, well, that creates a peace that passes all understanding. And let me proclaim to you tonight, whether you know it or not, God favors you. And what is miraculous about this peace is that by the power of the Holy Spirit, when this peace hits your heart, it can and will flow forth from you. It can and will flow forth from you to your kids. It can and it will flow forth from you to your parents and your weird relative who's coming over tomorrow, not bearing gifts but a lot of opinions. It can flow forth even to them. This is the wonder of it all, is that it's real. And it changes our lives still. And so as we gather around this altar, and we meet Mary's boy child once again, as we gather around this altar and remember his death, resurrection, and ascension, because the two are linked, may you know 
feel the Holy Spirit cultivating a sense of amazement and wonder within you. That in spite of it all, God has forgiven you and is for you through Christ. Your eternal destiny has been changed for the good and not even death itself can hold you in the grave. And as we gather around this altar, be amazed once again that you have peace with God. And maybe you haven't felt like you've had that peace for some time or ever. But let me proclaim to you, it is all yours this evening. For it is in that sense of amazement that truly, but by the grace and peace of God go I. <clears throat> that sense of amazement transforms hard, anxious, and angry hearts into tender, loving, and forgiving hearts, especially to those that are around us. This is my third point. Win that message, and man shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day, is clung to by faith. Your eternal destiny has been changed, and you also fulfill the message of the angels. Maybe not globally, but at least in your area of influence. And by giving glory to God in the highest, you point and direct people to God. And by that, you begin to truly share an eternal peace among all whom he favors, even those around you who do not know it yet. So Merry Christmas, and praise God that man shall live forevermore because of Christmas Day. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of our parish, we would really appreciate it. You can make a one-time or recurring gift by going to calvarystgeorges.org slash give. Thank you for your support.